Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast, featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller and Miles Free. Hello, this is Carly Kistler-Miller. Welcome to Monday with Miles, the mailbag edition. This is a fun edition, at least for me, because I get to ask questions to Miles pulled out of our mailbag, and he's going to impart his wisdom upon us all. Welcome, Miles. Imparting wisdom? That's not in the job description. I'm setting the bar very high. You can you can get over that bar, no problem. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here's the first question. Do businesses exist to make a profit for their owner or the board? Is employment of workers just a luxury when the businesses require the help? Wow. What is the purpose of a business? Mm-hmm. That is a really important question, and I'm disappointed that the question focuses on the profit because the point of a business is not about the profit. It's about meeting a need. It's about filling a demand. When we look at people, cultures, countries, humanity as economic actors, there's either demand and then supply And that's the basis for business. With no demand, there is no supply. Didn't say anything about profit. Profit is a result of a business, a group of people, board, owners, and employees, performers as I like to call them, working together, better together, in order to meet the demand of the market If they do a good job, they earn a profit. I kind of like that, actually. I don't think I've seen a mission statement yet that says their mission is to make a profit. I I, I agree. It's, It's not. But you wanted wisdom. You said so in the very intro. So Peter Drucker, I'm almost a fanboy of Peter Drucker. Peter Drucker has a couple quotes that really, really... Uh, address this. I happen to have them because (laughs) I get to teach at the MBA and these are on some slides I have right here in my office. A business is not defined by its name, statutes, or articles of incorporation. Like you said, the mission statement. Mm -hmm. It is defined by the business mission. Only a clear definition of mission and purpose of the organization makes possible clear and realistic business objectives. Not a word about profit. Mission of a business is to meet demand. Here's the second quote. Mm -hmm. The role of profits in a business is to cover the risk inevitably involved in its operation. The profit required to enable it to stay in business and to maintain intact the wealth producing capacity of its resources. That's what Peter Drucker had to say. I like what Peter Drucker had to say. I do too. It's rational, it makes sense, and it's sustainable. The issue that we have is the profit isn't the cause, it's the result of the performance of the business. The question almost confuses profits, which is the result of satisfying the customer needs, the demand, with the need to actually serve the customer. That's what we're trying to do. 
Instead, it thinks that the end game, the end result is the profit. The profit is a result of our meeting the end result, which is filling the customer's demand. So I hope that answers the question. Profits are a result of our business successfully supplying customer demand. I think it answers the question. It actually made me think that some businesses get in trouble because it's all about the profits and not about the customer, the service, the product, the employees. Hello, Enron, WorldCom. <laughs> <laughs> a few popped to mind. We can name a few <laughs> just like that. Just like that. Well, the next question, and you're going to see a theme here. It's a business theme, and that's a nod to our audio engineer, Joe Jackson, who put these questions together for us. Which is more important for any company, revenue growth or profit? Oh, oh. well, uh, Steve Jobs could be said to be a technological profit, but that's spelled with a P-H Yeah, not e. the same profit. <laughs> not, not an F and an I-T. <laughs> Which is giving me fits, and Joe kind of looking a little askance to me. FIT is giving you fits. Ha, 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 So ha, ha. what is more important, revenue or profits? If I'm a stockholder, I'm going to say profits because I want to get my dividend. I want to get my bonus. I want to see the business. But profits are not possible without revenues. If you don't have revenues... There's nothing, there's no profit to come from anywhere. There's, you know, you're making bread without flour, right? There's, you've got to have revenue before you have profits. So you have customer demand, you have a means of production, you produce something, you meet their demand, you are paid with revenues for having met their demand. And if you were a savvy business person, the revenues that you collected exceeded your expenses, thereby leaving you with profits to share with the government and hopefully your shareholders. So without revenues, there can be no profits. So revenues are a necessary condition for there to even be a profit. It's more like cause and effect. Cause and effect, there you go. Makes sense to me. Okay, next question. Are you ready? Uh, I hope it's not about profits. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going to like this one. Is 35000 to 45000 the divider line from needing a college degree to not needing one? Want me to say it again? Really? That's the question? That, that is the question. It's an interesting line, uh, financial line that was drawn in this one as well. It is, and it's a disappointingly low line because the median household income in the United States is somewhere between $62,000 and $64,000. So if someone's looking for thirty-five dollars to $45,000 and they're also loading up years and years of debt for college expenses to earn below the median household income, I'd suggest they don't have the brains for college. <laughs> That's really... Well, he went there. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's change the question, because I'm with you. I mean, our, the performers in our shops 
can aspire to more than $35,000 in most points, can't they? Absolutely. I mean, without getting into too many specifics, um, typically with a few years of experience in, uh, in production and any kind of CNC training, any kind of uh, credential, whether it's a NIMS credential, whether it's uh, an operator certificate from a local community college, um, we see wages typically for setup operators above 20 bucks an hour. And 20 bucks an hour times 2,080 hours is... Uh, a well, nice chunk of change. It's, it's well above that $45,000 mark. And that's ignoring the fact that talent is so hard to find in our industry that in that overtime is really uh, pretty much consistently available to the people that want to make make the money and time and a half on 20 bucks an hour uh, is that's pretty compelling so if if the if the line really is 35 to 45,000 dollars as an aspirational goal, I would suggest that people get a better aspiration. I, I agree. Let's, uh, let's agree that this question probably has the wrong criteria for it. I'm thinking what this person is trying to figure out is how much more am I going to make with a college degree versus no college degree because in my mind that depends on the industry. I mean, well, I, I wish it was dependent on the industry, but frankly, it's more dependent on their choice of a wise degree. I mean, there are a lot of people getting debt for degrees that will not return the investment in the education. That's true. But now we're really going to go off rails because my daughter is going into social work to get to where she wants to be to help people in social work, she needs a master's. She's not going to be a millionaire. So... So this comes back to that original question. The question asks, if we hit this imaginary threshold, you know, is, is that a good thing? And there's more to a career than being in some payroll bracket and your daughter aspires to help people. And she is willing to do the work to get a degree so that she will be in a position where she can help people. And she's probably got the confidence to say, I'll be able to do that and I'll be promotable and I'll, I'll succeed because that's truly what she wants to do. And to anyone who's listening to me for wisdom, I say, I say, do what you want to do, but be very careful about over-investing in it if it's not going to pay off. You know what? This actually relates to the first question. It's not about the profits. It's not truly about the paycheck. It's about the job you do. It, that's absolutely right. So if What's you, the mission? If you need a degree to do the job you want to do, then, you, then you're going to incur some debt. Oh right. my gosh, see, we connected right. those dots. Right, but if you are aspiring to be a barista, don't invest in the college no education. No college degree. Right. 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 It's about the mission. 
it's always about the mission. I love it. That was a great answer to that question. That was All right, you want to see tough what's question. next? <laughs> it was a tough question. All right, let's see what's next. Okay, is it possible to rebuild American factories and industry by putting the manufacturing decisions into the hands of the individual workers? Okay. Is it possible to rebuild American manufacturing by putting decision-making capability into the hands of the workers? There is so much to unpack here. There's a lot to unpack. So there's also the manufacturing decisions. The decisions. Well, <laughs> yes. Well, first, I challenge the assumption that American manufacturing needs to be rebuilt. That was my first issue with this question, but... Right? Right. I mean... We're watching it thrive right now. We're, we're thriving, and by the way... How are those service sector jobs in hospitality doing? Be nice. <laughs> I am. I am. Manufacturers were exempted from mo the most draconian lockdowns earlier in this year because we were recognized as being essential manufacturers. This is the one case where if there was no supply, there'd be a lot of hungry people. There'd be a lot of people without the things they needed. So I challenge the assumption. I agree. So you know what? Let's take the word rebuild out so we can get okay. to the next part of the question because honestly, I don't think we can get to the next part of the question. You and I agree rebuilding is not an issue. So let's say grow. To Is it possible to grow American factories and industry by putting the manufacturing decisions into the hands of the individual workers? So I will take your verb, grow, and I will turn it to sustain. Oh, all right. Because if we can sustain it, we now have a chance to grow it. But we need to sustain what we have. So we're going to go, you know, I'm fond of reaching to what I call first principles and I seem to make them up every time somebody asks me a question, but they're lur lurking around in my head somewhere. And the first principle that comes to my mind is that it's the person doing the job on the manufacturing floor that is the process expert. They're the local expert. And why on earth would I want a remote decision made when I could ask the expert, the local expert, you know, I want to find out where to go, where, where is something. Now, do I want to ask somebody in Bangalore? Or do I want to ask the local person that says, oh, yeah, go two lights and then turn left. There you are. So I think that we really do need to trust our local experts. And the companies that are really making success are the ones that have empowered their workers. I'm talking about Toyota. I'm talking about the companies in, in our industry, in PMPA. Uh, Micron up in Grand Rapids uh, empowers their people to make a difference. Uh, uh, Pioneer Services and Isamuthana, those people, it, there's a term called Andon, and Andon means you can stop the assembly line. We're not assembly line but our workers have the authority to stop the machine the instant it's not making 
the right parts. So I think that if a company wants to remain in business and they want to remain successful and not have a lot of recalls, then you bet your bottom dollar they're relying on the decisions of their local process experts, and that's the person that owns the process. That's the guy or gal with the tool in their hands. I like that answer. Okay, you're, we're getting away from business on our last question here. We're going to give your business brain a break. You ready to get into industry? Business brain says thank you for the break. <laughs> Why do engineers heat treat materials? Well, that's a great question. And I'm a steel metallurgist, so I'm going to talk about steel. There are other metals, there are other heat treatments besides the ones we do in steel. I'm going to talk about steel. But before I define my answer, before I give you my answer, I want to define one word. And that word is latent. Okay. The word is latent, latency. And the best example I can give of latency is a roll of film. Back in the old days, we put film in a camera. And the camera let light hit it one frame at a time. And when we were done, we filled up the roll of film. We'd send it away to have it developed with chemicals. The picture is on the film, but we can't see it. It's there, but it's not really there. We can't prove it's there. It's a paradox, mm -hmm. but it's there. That is called a latent image, and it is a latent image until we develop it. And once we develop the film, the image is there because the film has been changed in its structure, chemicals have been removed, the transparency changes, and now we've got a negative and a shadow or a slide, and now we can see the image. The image was there once we exposed it, but it was impossible to sense. It was a latent image. Okay. I think of steel just like I think of photographic film. It is a latent material. It is a material whose properties can be developed by several different ways of manufacturing. So what can we do? We can heat treat it, we can cold work it, we can uh, change its ingredients to give it different, different properties. So engineers, heat treat steel, one, because it will respond to heat treat, two, because the properties that are convenient to give us the steel in aren't necessarily the properties we want when it's in a part designed to function the way we want it to. So a lot of words, I apologize for a lot of words, but the bottom line is steel is a material that can be developed into many different conditions by cold work, by changing ingredients, or by doing a thermal treatment, a heat treatment. Okay. Are you happy now? I gave your business brain a break for a second. You got to talk steel. Yeah, my metallurgist brain is saying, it's, it's yeah, a you, happy brain. Yeah, it's saying, why didn't you spell out spheridizonil or 
lamellar prolytic anneal or precipitation. Okay, anneal. okay. And, That's uh, yeah. for another day. Another day. Another, <laughs> another day. day. Thank you, Miles, for answering our questions in our mailbag. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. Please rate and review our podcast. And if you want to make your life a little easier, you can subscribe to our podcast so you never have to miss one. And don't forget to join us on every Monday for Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles. <laughs>